The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Girls Talk Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw Dating, preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and broadcasting live from Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star. Happy Victory Monday, Cowboys Nation. A very dominant performance by your Dallas Cowboys. 40-3, beating the Minnesota Vikings, and we're going to get all into that. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We're coming live to you from the beautiful star in Frisco at the SWBC Podcast Studios. I'm joined here with two incredible co-hosts of mine. Of course, we have Christy Scales and Aisha Morrison. I'm Jess Navarro. I am holding down the... uh, host seat today yeah, the, the fort, the and fort. i and i'm a little too excited about this win guys so i am not sorry for anything i say today because i am just pumped y'all how are we feeling on this victory monday <laughs> i'm lit like y'all i'm i'm lit like i'm very excited um about this win for a number of reasons that we're gonna get into but i'm the same i'm composed but then not right right christy how are you feeling on oh, this yeah. victory monday yeah yeah i mean just dominating in all three phases so mm. i'm i like the way just that you used the word dominant because that's what it was yesterday and the one thing that you never expect when you play a game in minnesota is a silent crowd and that's Oof. what we had by the second half because that's a raucous group they have such great fan support up there and so when you can just take control early in the game you know stay pedal to the metal that that's what happened and at the end it was just Cowboys fans left and uh, the uh, starters on defense who were on the sideline as the backups took their place late in the fourth quarter they're they're Raising the roof. Oh, and man. It, and, and the only sounds you hear are, let's go, Cowboys. Oh. And that's something I would never expect to hear in Minnesota. That is glorious. Music to my ears, for sure. But I wanted to get initial reactions because, of course, this was a game with high stakes and, and very high pressure on this Cowboys team to make their comeback after what happened in Green Bay. And so I wanted to get y'all's reactions because, of course, a win would have been exciting. But this style of win, we're talking 40-3. to Minnesota was already capped out at 17 points for that being the highest deficit in their season so far for any game that they've played. This is not a bad team by any means. Minnesota is a fantastic team. We are talking a playoff component at this point, top of the NFC, and Dallas went out 40 40- to three guys I can't stop saying that that is just so exciting so what is your initial reaction to this dominant Dallas performance Aisha I'll start with you and then we'll hop to Christy no, I'm gonna pass it go ahead Christy oh, there I we want to hear what she got to say she, she was there no, the in the well, building no they just uh, uh dominated the line of scrimmage both sides of the mm-hmm. ball and the holes that Tony Pollard and Zeke had to run through Malik at the end Malik Davis Um, what was happening the previous week in Green Bay, remember how we talked about yards after contact, Aaron Jones and Green Bay was getting that against the Cowboys. This week it was totally the opposite. It was the Cowboys that were uh, getting the push up front from the line. Um, The pass rush was relentless. And so when you get up on offense, right, and get a big lead and force the opponent to have to try and pass the ball to uh, get back in the game, then you can unleash the unleash the pass rush. But just a uh, and then special teams. We'll talk about 
uh, that more as yeah. we, we go along. But uh, complimentary football at its finest. And so you win the line of scrimmage. You don't commit uh, too many penalties. You protect the ball. And it goes back to what we say every week. The team that's going to win the game is the one that makes the fewest mistakes. Minnesota is licking their wounds today because not only did they get dominated, but they had self-inflicted wounds. There you go. Yeah, um, the Cowboys just looked prepared in this game. It was they were so locked in to start that game, and one of the most most impressive things about this game to me is just seeing that this team is not afraid to adjust. And when I say that, I mean like even from an offensive standpoint, you have a new offensive line, a fairly new offensive line. These guys have come in here adjusted, and they're playing well. They're gelling well. And then also on the offensive side of the ball, to make the adjustment to know that running the ball is your strength and that you can play off of that and then to incorporate it took hey listen it took Kellen a while to get to understand I don't even know if it's to understand but just to really see the full scope of what Tony Pollard is capable of in this offense and the way that this running game is really taking off I think is definitely the reason why this offense is starting to go and I'm I'm that was the biggest thing to me the defense is going to play relentless I was definitely impressed with them but the offensive side of the ball the willingness to make adjustments and do different do different things tempo your quarterback is back like your quarterback is is playing at a high level not afraid to use his legs anymore crate I mean just so efficient even at the line of scrimmage, like it's him at the line of scrimmage is becoming a weapon. I feel like he's checking into the right plays, free plays, getting guys off sides. I was just very impressed by the composure of the team, and they heard the whispers. You can tell, and oh, they, yeah. and I yeah. love that they're not. I love that they're not afraid to acknowledge that. Like this is a you know, we're a social media age right now. Let's keep it a buck, right? Like you're gonna see they're going to see all of these things that people are talking about them this week and the things they're wearing efficient in. And they came out and shut a lot of us up. Huh? Yeah, there we go. And, <laughs> you know, I think something that we've constantly talked about on this podcast in terms of the Cowboys is them kind of, you know, with the self-inflicted wounds and kind of shooting themselves in, the own, in their own foot sometimes. Yeah. And it was very interesting to kind of see that role reversed when it came to the Vikings this week. I mean, penalties. You're talking, I think, what, what were they, the second – least penalized team in the NFL and the Cowboys had them just throw in those penalty flags over and over and I mean it was just the most dominant performance I think you will see in years and years to come it was a glorious football game by the Dallas Cowboys and Christy I wanted to hop into your sideline report because I had so many notes uh and when I was just sitting there watching I was like I need to ask Christy about all of this but first and foremost you talked about the crowd reaction the crowd uh I was listening to your the radio broadcast at one point of the game and you said that the loudest crowd reaction came after a certain penalty call and that uh, that was interesting since the first quarter everybody got kind of quiet and then there was a penalty I believe in the third or fourth quarter uh, and the crowd went wild at that point. Oh, that was when they booed. So yes. uh, that that's when Dalvin Cook, the running back for the Vikings, got called for a uh, personal foul. Oh, yes. up in George was, Edwards' face. Yeah, yes. George Edwards. So George Edwards <laughs> is a, a Cowboys. He works a, a lot with the, the linebackers, but a senior defensive assistant coach. And for many years, he was the defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Mm -hmm. And he was with Mike Zimmer's staff and, and all of that. So long history yep. uh, with George Edwards in Minnesota and with a lot of those players that are still there. And so, But what's so funny is George – 
it's not that he's not competitive, but he's pretty mild-mannered. And so we were remarking on the radio broadcast, it's like of all the people on the sideline to, to you know, get a response. Yeah. You wouldn't expect it to be right. uh, George. So, but yeah, the, the crowd did not have a lot to cheer for. Because remember, it was interesting. The Vikings won the toss and decided to take the ball. They didn't defer till the second half. And then the third play of the game is when Micah Parsons gets the sack strip mm. force fumble that's uh, <laughs> recovered by Dorrance Armstrong and leads to a Cowboys early 3 nothing lead. So um, overall, the, the Cowboys did a good job of, of keeping the crowd tamped down. Uh, and so, and that's a big factor because that that place with their skull Vikings and the song, and when they <laughs> when they get the chants going and they get that yaller horn going, it can be really raucous. And to your point, the I, I think that I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think that Dak um, mentioned that, like he mentioned it in his interview. Like they they were like, let's go out here and you know quiet this. One of the guys he said one of the guys was like, hey, let's go out here and quiet this crowd mm-hmm. down. And, and you, I'm like, that's the energy y'all on? Okay. Yeah, and you know what's, what's great is that Minnesota has not won a game, a home game against the Cowboys since 2010. And that's the so first So keeping time. that streak alive. Yeah, and that's the first that. time they haven't scored on their opening drive this season. Yep. yep, yep. And I think the panic set in. I really do. Like, a lot of people are like, why did they go away from the run? Why did they, you know, why didn't they keep continue to run the ball? I'm like. Well, they fell behind. Hello. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. They, they fell behind quickly. But that first, I mean, immediately you saw on their faces when Micah bust through there and it, you could see them walk into the sideline and they were like, man, this is. This is going to be a lot. I, I, yeah. I do have to admit that, I mean, I was expecting the Cowboys' defense to rebound after because, you know, like you were talking about, they heard the criticism all week, and so they had to chip on their shoulder, you know, going into this game. But I really expected the Vikings' offense to be so much better just because what they have is continuity on their offensive line. People talk uh, the last month or so, scoring is down in the NFL this year. And what's the reason why? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because there's not a good – there's not a lot of offensive line depth in the league. Say that. And so when – Teams like that, you know, why is Tom Brady, why was he struggling early in the season? Why is Matt Stafford out with a couple of concussions and having a bad season? Uh, Joe Burrow has been struggling behind their uh, lot of injuries with their yeah. offensive line, right? And so, um, but the, the Vikings have had the same guys start every single game. In fact, other than trading for Hawkinson and a couple of changes at tight end, they've had the same starting lineup on offense the whole year round. Now, when they lost Christian Derrissaw, their uh, left tackle, uh, to the concussion there um, midway through the first Mm -hmm. half, that made a big difference. And you saw Micah Parsons lining up a lot more what would be on the right edge of the Cowboys' defense, taking advantage uh, with the matchup with the backup left tackle for the Vikings, and it it paid dividends. And I want to mention one more player – and I know we're going to talk more about defense in a bit, but Dorrance Armstrong oh. had a terrific game this week. He looks like the Dorrance of the first month of the season. So yeah. um, th- that that's the thing. Not only did they win as a group, the thing is to win as a group, you individually have to whip the man in front of you. Absolutely. And there they you consistently go. did that yesterday. Oh, say it, Christy. And, you know, there was a couple of key moments that – 
We all saw, Christy, you saw this in person, CD's toe drag swag catch. What was that like on the sidelines when that happened? And were you close enough to see that happen in real time? How did that all go down? So what happened was Dak is flush from the pocket. He's running to the right and just makes a great throw, uh, you know, at a full sprint as he's headed towards what would be the Cowboys sideline as Dak is going to the right. Dak's kind of coming right at me. And so when he let the ball go, and it was so, it's like, oh, thank goodness he's getting rid of it. Yeah, you thought he was just throwing it away. <laughs> and, then, and then CD, you know, uh, from my view, I could really only see CD's hands. I mm. couldn't see his feet. I was blocked off by yep. all the people on the sideline. It's like, there's no way he caught it. But the way that everyone was reacting to it, it's like, oh, my gosh, he caught the ball. Yep. So that was that was an amazing catch. It reminded me of uh, a Terrence Williams toe tapper (laughs) along the sideline in Seattle uh, several years ago. But the way that these guys, the way they have trained their bodies and to have that muscle memory where they can just, with their feet, just get their toes down and basically just go limp but still be able to get the ball and – you know, go down with it. That that was one of the most outstanding plays of the season for the oh. Cowboys offense, in my opinion. 100%. And CD's self-awareness, too, to mm-hmm. just understand. And again, as, as football fans, I, I think watching the game, you sometimes forget how aware these guys have to be of every inch of their body because had those toes not dragged wouldn't have been the same outcome. And, you know, that catch led to another thing I wanted to ask you about because after that, Brett Maher goes for a 60-yard field goal, makes it. It it veers a little bit, but he does make it in. And then all of a sudden, the officiants call it back for review. And they they don't call the field goal back that Brett just made. They call CeeDee's catch back to see if it was actually a catch or not. Christy, have you ever seen something like that happen to where, I mean, Aisha and I were talking about this before we started. Mm -hmm. There was a period of time between the catch and the setup for the field goal, the field goal, uh, non-field goal, and then them saying, wait, no, it's still under review. Have you seen something like that? What was your take a, on that? A few times in 24 years on the sideline, I've seen it where a team is halfway off the field and then gets called back by the officials. But what had happened was there was five se- there were five seconds on the clock when Maher gets so enough time that time expires. He nails the 60-yarder, and everyone is joyously going into the uh, towards the tunnel to go – to the locker room for halftime, and everyone's about halfway across the field. And then I, I see Clay Martin, the referee. He's a tall guy, so even I can see him across all the bodies. <laughs> he's at the middle of the field, and he's motioning. He's, like, pushing. He's motioning like this, like, go back, go back, and telling the players to go and coaches to go back to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone is halfway off the field, and it's like, what's going on? What was surprising to me was usually – when um, the replay official buzzes down and they're going to stop a play before it happens. So, Mm. you know, they're going to buzz down and say, we need to review this play. Or um, someone throws a red challenge flag or a coach calls timeout from the sideline to ice a kicker. It's it's easy to spot because an official will always run in or he or she will raise his hand to signal stop play. Now, sometimes it's just a half second before the play. I didn't see any of that. Mm. And then even getting home last night after the riding home on the team charter and watching it on TV, I didn't see any official doing that. Clay Martin was just watching the, um, you know, from behind Brett Maher to Maher's left, watching the the play. So I I wonder 
how was it, as you guys were watching it, what were your thoughts, Aisha? Did you have any idea what they were doing and why they were getting called back out onto the field? I was lost. I thought that um, maybe Mike McCarthy had called a timeout or something. but Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the broadcast view, it, it just looked like a timeout was called or something. But after the field goal, that's why it was so confusing because you didn't understand exactly why everything was stopping mm -hmm. after the field goal was already made. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't enough that Brett Maher said, all right, I'm going to make this 60 yarder. But to make another one right after and right down the middle the second time good for Brett Maher he was, deserves all the flowers this it week it was even a better second kick than the first it one because so the, fir the first one just kind of barely got over just yep. on what would be the right side you know if you're looking at from the field it would be the right corner it kind of barely got in but the second one like you said just right down the middle and cleared by five or six yards oh, oh. that was a good it was a good boost for that that sideline too yeah those oh, guys yeah. were pumped when he made it a second time they were pumped the first time but you know to the in the way that they were feeling in that moment like what is going on yeah it definitely meant something to them to go into the half with that and support their brother yeah I will say one other thing and I mentioned this in my posting on Dallas Morning News I contribute a sideline exclusive uh, the day after the game on Dallas Morning News and um, website and I mentioned that the replay official who worked that game and buzzed in late is the only human that I think could possibly make John Fossil, the Cowboys special teams coordinator, frustrated or angry. John Fossil is the happiest, <laughs> most positive person in the world. And even when a play is going, if something bad has happened on the field, he's still Mr. Positive, you know, and getting the guys up. But to see him completely perplexed and frustrated on the sideline, I'm like, wow, well, that, that sideline, I mean, that uh, replay official has done something that I did not think was humanly possible, and that's uh, <laughs> uh, get, get uh, John Fossil in a bad mood. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, I hope this uh, 40 to three score Dallas obviously dominating cheered him up a little bit more uh, after the game to say at the very least, but we're going to go ahead and take our first break. We're going to dive deep into the defense and we have plenty to talk about there talking all about Dallas's comeback with that run defense. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. This is girls talk boys talk presented by jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation. So you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today. Dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. <sighs> know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And they snap it to Prescott, who looks right. It's not there. He escapes left. He'll run for a first down. Just like football, when it comes to crypto, it's important to have a team you can trust. With Blockchain.com, I know I'm in good hands. 
Since 2011, they've been trusted by millions around the world to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrency. Prescott's going to run this himself. Run it up the middle, and he scores. Whether you're new to crypto or an active trader, they've got you covered. What are you waiting for? Get started at blockchain.com. Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are diving deep into the Dallas defense in just a second. First, let's talk all things pro shops because Thanksgiving week is finally here. Get ready for the annual Dallas Cowboys showdown with game day essentials. From tailgating to cold weather gear, we have you covered. Stop by your local Dallas Cowboys pro shop or log on to shop.dallascowboys.com, a fanatics experience to do Turkey Day, the Cowboys way. Oh, I love that. I love that. That is beautifully written. Um, speaking of doing things the Cowboys way, I don't think there can um, – every time the Dallas defense just plays to their best, I don't think they can impress me even more, and they find a way to do it the Cowboys way and just somehow, some way, find a way to be even more dominant. The word of the day – dominant because that is exactly what the Cowboys did especially on the defensive side coming back from that Green Bay game making their uh, message heard hey we heard y'all we see y'all who are you talking about now that is uh letting the pass run or the uh run the run defense slide through so let's go through some stats real quick real quick because a lot of names that uh, was interesting enough to hear on the broadcast, as Tony Romo said, uh, under-the-radar players. And we were just talking about earlier, Dorrance Armstrong having a game. Tony explained that he's an under-the-radar player. Dorrance Armstrong had three tackles for the day, two sacks to his name. Micah Parsons, four tackles, two sacks. J. Ron Curse, four tackles, one assist, one sack. And that's not enough. Oh, poor Kirk Cousins. I really, I really just feel bad going down this list for him. Dante Fowler... Two tackles, one sack, and then, of course, you can't forget Tank. Tank having himself a day, also racking up a sack. Ladies, talk about a dominant defense and the comeback story of this defense. Aisha, I wanted to start with you because, of course, the headlines last week. We all we all know. We don't, we don't have to go back. We, we, look, we look forward. We don't look back around here. But the lack of run defense was the biggest and most dominant uh, conversation last week. What changed this week, and what helped the Cowboys' defense stop the run, not allowing really anything to be productive for the Vikings? So, I mean, the Vikings. Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think there were there were some instances at the beginning of that game, and then you also saw, like, Dalvin Cook was able to capture the outside. But what I really thought happened with the run defense is they tackled well, and they, they were physical, and I think that mattered. But more importantly – your offense put a lot of pressure on that other team to score. And with that, it's a trickle-down effect. So then the defense was able to win the line of scrimmage dominantly. They also rushed four and were able to get home, which then in turn allows you to drop more of your um, DBs into coverage. And that was a huge problem because if you look at um, quite a few of the sacks that the Cowboys got, they were covered sacks. Mm -hmm. They were because uh, even the first sack that Micah got, covered sack. Because the strip sack, it was a covered sack because Kirk Cousins looked out there and he was like, everybody's covered. And Trayvon Diggs, mm. his ability yep. to truly, his him showing his ability to really somewhat erase 
team's number one receiver, number one option, it and for the rest of the secondary to be able to adjust to that again, adjust to that and to play up to the level. I think these safeties and these DBs played extremely well yesterday. They were so sticky in coverage and nothing was easy. So even when Kirk did escape, he didn't really have much to, much place to go. So I feel like with the run defense, a lot of it was that the Vikings were panicked. And they were panicked, and they began to just pass the ball excessively, and it played into the Cowboys' favor astronomically. Christy, what about you? What do you think changed from last week to this week to, I mean, really just skyrocket this team into a new level of a performance? Well, Aisha's right. They had to pass the ball so much, the Vikings did, uh, just because, uh, again, falling behind so far, but only giving up 73 rushing yards for the Cowboys' defense Vikings only ran it 17 times, okay? Yep. They only ran it 17 times because they had to throw it. Uh, I like the fact that Aisha used the word adjustment. Let me tell you what the plan was going into the game after doing a little recon on the sideline pregame. <laughs> it's it's not a surprise that Trayvon Diggs would, would travel with Justin Jefferson. Uh, the Cowboys do not travel. When I say travel, that means when you take a cornerback and have him follow – the top receiver for the other team. It doesn't even have to be the top receiver. Sometimes you might want to travel with the second best receiver and then, you, you know, single him up. And that way that gives you two guys to cover the, the who you view as the biggest threat. But anyway, the previous week in Green Bay, Trayvon Diggs traveled with Alan Lazard, who was the big play guy. Um, he was viewed as the top threat for uh, Aaron Rodgers' passing attack. Christian Watson ended up having the big game. Trayvon Diggs was covering Alan Lazard. The plan yesterday was to have Trayvon cover Justin Jefferson most of the game. Um, so the other thing was Anthony Brown, the other starting cornerback, remember he had suffered the concussion mm. last Sunday in the game at Green Bay. The plan was for Anthony Brown to rotate out some and get Kelvin Joseph in there and it's not because Anthony Brown well he had cleared concussion protocol but he didn't have much practice during the week he was limited on Wednesday and Thursday and Wednesday's practice by the way was not a real it was not a full practice it was just a walkthrough so they were going to get Kelvin Joseph some reps and you know uh, in place of Anthony Brown well Kelvin Joseph is becomes ill in the second quarter and doesn't finish the first half and plays none of the second half. So Anthony Brown, who was supposed to come out and get some rest and, and stuff like that, he ends up playing 95% of defensive snaps. So they were making adjustments with the rotation at cornerback. Uh, they couldn't do what they had planned to do, and it's because of the illness to Kelvin Joseph. But in regards to the pass rush, the fact that it was spread amongst all, the seven sacks is the most uh, by a Cowboys defense in a game since 2008. Back in November 2008 against Seattle, they also had seven sacks. So the fact that it was spread amongst all those players goes back to what we were saying before about whipping the guy uh, in, in front of you. And one more thing, that one of the uh, best moments at the game yesterday was after J. Ron Curse got his sack in the second oh, half. Man. <laughs> So it was he blitzes, he gets the sack, and of course J. Ron was the defensive captain yesterday. 
And that's because, you know, he had played, he had started his career uh, with the Vikings. But did you guys see him uh, do the motion to the crowd? Oh, yeah. we he saw did it. it. He did a skull. Oh, so we saw the skull. This is how you skull. Skull, okay, pretend you're doing the YMCA. I'm not so put your hands out for a Y. Skip the M and the C and do an A. So that's how you skull. That's a proper skull. That's a proper skull. Skull is a Nordic uh, word. It means um, it means cheers. You know, kind of like salute or you know cheers. But anyway, that's well, their that's, 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 that's win, their chance. Yeah. Well, there we go. So no. that, that, that's why you, that's why you saw uh, J. Ron doing his arms Jesus. like that. Is he was giving a skull to the crowd Oof. that he used to play in front of. I love that kind of energy. And you know, you're talking about sacks and and really how important they played out to be in this game. The Cowboys now have 42 sacks on the season, the second most sacks in team history through the first 10 games of a season. The leading season so far was back in 1985 with 43 sacks. So if that doesn't give you any context to historically how great this defense plays when they play their best. I mean, I don't know what really will. And so I was going back through my notes, too, because something else I wanted to make sure to mention was the amount of penalties. And I I alluded to this earlier uh, when we were just kind of skimming over things. But the amount of penalties that Minnesota had on themselves. I mean, let's go back to the stats here. We had uh, penalties. Minnesota had seven for 59 yards, which for a team that hardly gets penalized, that's a lot. That's a lot of yardage for them, which they couldn't afford to do. I mean, this you're talking a team that had 183 total yards throughout the day. Uh, they were really putting those self-inflicted wounds on themselves. And especially you go back to, uh, I believe this was their eighth drive. You had, let's see, you had a flag for a false start. And then you see Dorrance kind of making that little, that little jump to get that. And then right after that, they're already in a very difficult third down situation. You get another one, third and 15 false starts. Uh, Again, Dante Fowler contributing to that one. And then that puts them in a third and 20 and then, Dorrance Armstrong comes in and gets that sack. So to me, that is playing the best kind of football that you possibly can. When they're they're baiting into the mind games that you're putting them through. And I think, uh, you know, listening back to a lot of the Vikings post-game press conferences, Kevin O'Connell alluded to a lot of this being a mind game. And really, it was... It was something that we talked about early, early in this podcast was that Dan Quinn has the ability with this defensive scheme to be confusing for other offenses. And I think you saw that shine through once again. It was going back to the basics. It was polishing it up. Mm -hmm. And it was just ensuring that every guy knew what he was doing. They weren't trying to make the play happen every single time. They were just making it happen as it came, and it was starting to come easier and easier. I mean, just looking at these stats, which is incredible because we always talk about how stats don't talk about the entire story of the game. What really stood out to me was something else we talk about here is the third down efficiency for the Cowboys offense, which we'll get into in a bit. But the third down efficiency for the Vikings yesterday, y'all, one of 11 yeah. for the Vikings. Ouch. Just absolutely dominant there and so something else I wanted to ask y'all open-ended here who had the most surprising game to you who did you not expect to have this kind of game if you have to go back and pick somebody who did you not expect to come out like they did right out of the gates Aisha we'll start Mm -hmm. here and then I'll jump to Christy I don't know if I didn't expect for him to come out this way but man Terrence still Terrence still really had a point to prove yesterday he put Zadarius Smith in a in a 
seatbelt plenty of times. Like Terrence Steele right now, uh, from a run blocking standpoint, and just just being there for his quarterback and just being active. Dude, he really – they took it to those guys. This offensive line took it to those guys. And he I think he surprised me. I guess I guess you could say he surprised me. I wasn't surprised by his play, but just how assertive and just dominant he was yesterday was just – was different. It was different from a right tackle perspective. Like, he's he's even cheering after – like, he claps and, and cheers after they get a first down. He's pointing when they get first downs. Like, can you imagine being a DN and, like, you can't get this guy's hands off of you and then the, every time there's a first down, an offensive lineman is like – yeah, let's go. First down. Like, it's just his his he's so locked in. And I and I think he deserves praise for how he's played and how he's developed in this um in this system. So yeah. Yeah. And such a great guy. So quiet, so kind and polite and nice off the field, but on the field. He's the one <laughs> it would say Mark Colombo, uh, and before that Mark Tuane. He's the guy that you want walking behind you in a dark alley mm. at night. You know, he's going to have your back. He's the first one there to pull up a teammate, you know, from the, the ground. Had a real interesting conversation with uh, Terrence last week, actually. And, Aisha, you will uh, appreciate this as a veteran even more than the rest of us. But there's uh, going to be something special for the Salute to Service Cowboys home game, which will be the December 4th game against Indianapolis. And I, it's uh, it hasn't been announced yet, so I don't want to say too much about it. But the offensive line is going to be doing something special in conjunction with that particular game. Hmm. And Terrence has a military background in that his stepfather is um, a decorated uh, veteran who was uh, an Army helicopter pilot who uh, crashed in Iraq and lost a leg and suffered broken backs, like I think it was nine vertebrae and stuff like that. And so I was uh, talking with Terrence about it to use for a future article in the game day program. And he's just such a, a great guy and understands the sacrifice that families of military members have to make as well. So I don't don't know if uh, everyone knows about Terrence's uh, background as a military uh, family member, but it's important. And he does so many good things off the field on Tuesdays, volunteering time and things like that for some of the character playbook and things like that. So I'm glad that he gets recognized uh, on the podcast and was getting some love on the national TV broadcast as well, because usually the offensive linemen or the the offensive linemen are the ones that are overshadowed and don't get the praise. So who's your person? Who's my person for the game, most surprising of the game? Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't expecting to see much of Damone Clark. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, and, and, yep. and that's yep. that's because uh, <laughs> the Cowboys thought that Anthony Barr was going to play. Yep. Yeah. Anthony had uh, the hamstring injury. He practiced on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, but right at the very end, like the last play of practice on Saturday, retweaked that hamstring. So he did not play. The other thing is the Cowboys did not have Quentin Bohanna, their starting mm. defensive tackle yeah. illness. So to put that effort out there on defense and not have two guys that you thought were going to be starting the game and playing a lot of reps, uh, another reason to give kudos to the defense. I want to add to Damone Clark really quickly is like, you, you, I was excited to see him getting it. 
during the game. Like, these reps are so valuable for him. And there were so many instances where you could tell in the beginning of the game, he was like, is it? That's my gap. Yeah, it is. And then he was kind of hesitant. But then later in that second quarter, just filling his gaps, physical, I mean, just physical at the point of attack. Like, exactly what you're looking for from your linebacker core. I think as he progresses, he's going to be helpful to this linebacker core. It was exciting to see him get out there and play. I agree with you, Christy. And uh, it, it even just goes back to this is the standard that is set. So imagine them continuing to amplify. It's it's scary. I, I don't want to be an opposing offense that has to face the Cowboys <laughs> defense. I'll tell you that right now. But, hey, speaking of offense, we are going to go to our next break because we are talking – about some record-breaking plays, some record-breaking numbers, and uh, we have yet to even give kudos to our QB1. So when we come back, we're talking all things Dak Prescott's performance and even more. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Girls Talk, Boys Talk, presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. At Jigsaw Dating, we obviously want the Cowboys to bring that sixth ring home. But to be honest, we're more focused on finding the person who will put a ring on your finger. That's why we created a dating app that reveals your face through meaningful conversation so you can date deeper. Because it's personality that matters the most, not looks. Join Jigsaw Dating today, dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, Pepsi-loving football fans, it's time we had a lesson in trash talk. And I'm not talking about that stuff that happens on the field. What I'm talking about is trash, and it's the only thing that belongs in your garbage can. Now, recycling might not be as thrilling as converting a fourth and long, but next time you're thinking about throwing that Pepsi Zero Sugar bottle away, just cap it back up and pretend you're down by six with the recycling bin wide open. <sighs> know the difference? Make a difference. Be a team player and recycle. Visit PepsiTrashTalk.com to learn more. It's Smoothie King's original angel food and new angel food slim without added sugar. You no longer have to choose between treating yourself and hitting your goals this summer. You don't have to choose between great taste and feeling great. Because at Smoothie King, every blend is made with whole fruits and no syrups, so you can satisfy your cravings without compromise. The only choice you will need to make is which one is best for you. Try our classic angel food or the new angel food slim, blended without added sugar. Smoothie King, rule the day. Back to Girls Talk, a boys talk presented by Jigsaw, the preferred dating partner of the Dallas Cowboys. We are taking a deep dive into the Cowboys offense here in just one second. But first, let's talk Sounds of the Star because live music fans head to the Star in Frisco on Tuesday, November 29th for a brand new monthly concert series, Sounds of the Star, featuring the country rock band Western Rewind. The concert kicks off at 7 p.m. and is free and open to the public. For more information, you can visit thestarinfrisco.com. I love a good uh, a good country western band, so that's exciting <laughs> for me. You know what else I love? I love a 40 burger. And uh, <laughs> I love when the Cowboys come out with a win and uh, we get our 40 burger. I also love that. I uh, also love when these post-game notes are lengthy with all of the records that were were beaten or tied or almost matched. I mean, my goodness, guys, we could go down this list and go down this rabbit hole. So let's just get right into it. This Cowboys offense really stepped up this week. I think this is the best we have seen them so far. And I say so far because I, I highly believe 
that the best is yet to come for them. I think you're finally seeing a Dak Prescott that's gelling with all of his wide receivers. But you know where it starts, ladies? It starts with the run game. It starts with the one-two punch of Tony Pollard. Welcome back, Zeke Elliott. And, you know, just wearing down those de- that defense as much as possible. So let's kick it off. Let's talk all things Cowboys offense. Uh, Christy, I'll start with you. What did you notice? Anything different from the Cowboys offense, maybe from Green Bay into this week? Did they feel a little bit more confident, a little bit more calm? What feeling were you getting on the sideline? Well, from the biggest difference was the third down conversions. Mm-hmm. And another Say it. and a reason a reason for, for a third down was it was third and short. And Zeke Elliott, I believe he's what, ten of eleven now on converting third and one. Um so you you got you had the the power runner in Zeke and then Tony Pollard I think uh, converted a couple of third downs there was like a third and two that he converted so uh, I thought it was uh, just a real clean game uh, and Dak Prescott very precise and accurate with his throws but it was a great mixture of the you know just whipping the guy in front of you on the offensive line yes. clearing holes and getting some good tough runs but then also mixing in the fun down the field things and not just the CD lamb toe tapper on the sideline, but finally Pollard involved in the pass game. It's something that they talked, we heard yeah. about it all summer and all during training camp. And yesterday was the first time where we really got to see it, that wheel route uh, for the 68 yarder uh, to Tony Pollard and a perfect throw by Dak. And of course, Pollard also had the 30 yard touchdown catch. So, so yeah, so you had the punch, 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 and then you had the big plays with the haymakers. Oh, yeah, no, like giving me chills over here just <laughs> rethinking about it. That's beautiful. the thing about the the offense that I like. And you did see it in the Green Bay game as well, but it's just how they ran the ball. And it's and to me, I wrote I wrote in my notes, I said it's a setup because I felt like this nothing was done without purpose offensively. Is yeah. The way that they ran the ball, if they were running this outside zone, it was to set up something that was over the seams. Like they were doing things to set up the next guy and to set up the next play. And that's something that we've been looking for consistently. Like, yeah, you're running the ball, but does it make sense right here? What what's coming of it? And even that first drive, you get Tony, you get uh, Ezekiel Elliott in, and he's it says Zeke, Zeke, Zeke. So these guys are just getting their tail beat. And then Tony comes in there, and he's slippery through the tackle. So they're just the tempo of the game and how they established their tempo, mm. their pace. Yep. Yep. They set the pace for this game, and it was faster pace. And even looking at, I actually took the time to look into some of the Minnesota locker room sound, and they were just flabbergasted. They were very taken aback by the offensive firepower and how they came out there and played so physical with them even Michael Gallup yeah like you talked about it earlier with CD in that catch it was a remarkable catch but the receivers were catching they were catching the balls with their hands and it was like nah this is my ball like in every instance and I think Dak obviously with the accuracy but it was a there was an urgency and an aggressiveness to the offense that was like and then they didn't take their foot off the gas. Right. That was the dopest thing because you've seen plenty of times, okay, let's just ease up. Nah, nah. Nope. And it was like, okay, like 
let's keep going. Let's keep seeing what we can do. And, and you that's why you got the opportunity to see some plays that I think maybe we may not, may not have seen. So I was impressed by the tempo, the pace, and just how um, composed this offense was. And you know what I think was incredible about the run game specifically was this is a game that showed you exactly why that one-two punch is so effective with Zeke and Tony Pollard. Because you have Zeke who just wears down defenses. Sure, maybe he's not getting those – 10, 15-yard runs on a consistent basis, but he's wearing them down. He's getting five, six, seven-yard runs that is just pushing and pushing and just so physical. The amount of physicality that Zeke plays with to wear down those defenses, you have that going. And then you have Tony Pollard, who is just acting as a hybrid wide receiver running back. I mean, you don't know who what he's going to do when he's on the field. Is yeah. he going to run and take yeah. it down for 15 yards? Or is he going to catch this beauty of a ball from accurate Dak Prescott and then take it into the end zone from there. I mean, it was just so mentally confusing for the Vikings to know what was coming with this Cowboys offense. And that is the scariest part. Something else that I wanted to make sure to mention was we always talk about the time of possession and how important that can play out to be. Mm -hmm. That perfect example in this game, Dallas had the ball for 37 minutes and 24 seconds. Minnesota had it for 22 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, within that time, the Cowboys had 70 total plays. We talked about the third down efficiency. We talked about just, oh my goodness, 485, or excuse me, 58 total yards. Beauty. Just absolutely <laughs> beautiful to look at all of these statistics, especially, um, you know, just after everybody has been talking so highly of this team. And this is why the yeah. Cowboys are the real deal, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but. I'm on that hype train, and, and I'm on it very, very hard today. But real quick, there's two things I wanted to touch base on before we have, unfortunately have to wrap up. Time goes by fast when you're talking about a Cowboys win, unfortunately. Game ball. Sit and stew on that for a second, who you would give your game ball to. We can get into explanations tomorrow. But, Christy, it is the season, and we're talking all, thi all things previewing Thanksgiving. It's a very weird week. You wanted to give the history on the Thanksgiving game before we get out of here, yeah. and then we'll get to our game balls. So it's 1966, and the the NFL has been having uh, one Thanksgiving Day game a year uh, since 1934, and it's Detroit, an early afternoon game. But the league wants to expand and have a second game later in the afternoon. Well, no team is crazy enough to have a game on a weekday on a holiday and you're not sure people are going to show up on a holiday. Who's going to watch on TV? Well, Tex Schramm, the uh, former, the late uh, Cowboys general manager and team president, Ring of Honor member, Pro Football Hall of Famer, marketing genius, <laughs> says, I'll do the game, but you need to, you know, it's, it's not like a written rule or a written agreement, but kind of a handshake agreement. We, the Cowboys, will host a, the second game on Thanksgiving Day, but we get to have it every year. The smart thing that the Cowboys did and the league was they had the Cleveland Browns as the first opponent there, 1966, November 24th, Thanksgiving Day. So Leroy Kelly and all these, you know, bringing in some star power to help sell tickets so what happens? Oh, my gosh, are people going to show up? 82,000 show up at the Cotton Bowl, the largest crowd in Cowboys history. Cowboys get an upset win over the Cleveland Browns. 
it what it became a, obviously a Thanksgiving Day tradition. So um, 64 of the past 66 years, the game has been played in Dallas, the second game uh, of a dub, what was then a doubleheader, now a tripleheader of football on Thanksgiving Day. It was a real gamble back then. Football was not the number one sport uh, in America that it is now. But Tech Schramm was willing to take that risk. And uh, actually, Cleveland had to be convinced to be the opponent. And they said, okay, the NFL guaranteed a certain percentage. Okay, we will pay the amount of gate. They weren't sure that they were going to sell enough tickets. Mm. And Cleveland said, we're not going to come if we're not guaranteed a certain amount of money of gate receipts. Ah. The NFL did that. They didn't need to do it. 82,000 people showed up. Safe to say, uh, when you shoot your shot, sometimes it actually works. <laughs> but real quick, game ball. Who are you giving your game ball to? I'm cheating. Okay. Can I, I'm going to give my game ball to the offensive and defensive line because they, that got is them so on cheating. Up, they got them on up out of here. All right. I love that. Christy, who are you giving your game ball to? Aisha stole mine, so Tater I will go tots. with Tony Pollard. All right. My game ball goes to Brett Money Maher. Money, money, yes. money. You love to see it. <laughs> and uh, what we don't love to see is the end of the show. But we'll be back here tomorrow for even more Girls Talk, Boys Talk. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!